Our previous episode was a discussion around mending past relationships, where we offered energetic reasons as to why relationships may reach low spots and be in a situation where they may need to be mended, while then offering ways to go about the mending cycle for the best results. This episode goes deeper and discusses the sides and perspectives of both participants in past relationship trauma and new ways to look at the roles being played as well as ways to take emotional responsibility and begin your path toward internal forgiveness and optimal energetic wellness. When we experience external conflicts with others, it becomes important for our own internal work to gain as much information about the situation as we can through entertaining multiple perspectives, including the one of the person you are in conflict with. This can allow us to see that in most situations that their intent is not always what it seems, and in most cases, interpreted wrongly by us. Now please lay back, relax, and find a mental spot where this information can enter freely and you are open to accept it. And then after listening to the episode, please find time to leave us a rating, a review on iTunes, on our Facebook page, like us, join our community group, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of these things help us tremendously in getting this work out to as many people as possible and making the world more emotionally responsible. So now, let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander, uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. So, last episode, we touched upon mending past relationships. And in many of these relationships, the reason why there's mending to be done is because there has been trauma. Uh, that has occurred with one person um, giving a perceived trauma to another person. And so we thought that it would be great to um, dive more into that trauma and talk about the perspectives of trauma, but know that at the core, this is all energy and energy is neutral. So Alexander, do you want to come in and begin the discussion about the perspectives around trauma? Yes, because the intention of this episode is to give different perspectives to see a so-called perceived trauma in a more wide view and the possible roles that multiple people may play in it. And the deeper intention is hopefully to give some tools for people that have gone through some trauma to assist with uh, releasing and redirecting this energy. And so the attempt is not to come across as an authority. It's just uh, an attempt to kind of shine the flashlight maybe where we haven't looked before. And I think most of us have been on um, both sides of the so-called trauma spectrum. And when this term is being used, trauma, it has a very wide range like love. And 
So just know that as you as a listener, know you have your own individual definition of what that word means. And some people, a trauma can be something as simple or hard to remember as being five years old, playing in the yard, and the father or mother come out to the car to get something out of the car and turn around and close the door of the car a little bit loud and the child be in its own little world and that door closing can sound like a shotgun going off. And if the kid can't understand where that came from or what's going on, many times that is saved in the body as a trauma. Uh, That may be a loose definition of trauma, an experience that can't be comprehended. And I've had my own experiences with this, um, with the death process and with both being surprised with a roommate and best friend getting killed by a drunk driver and me finding out at three o'clock in the morning, very all of the sudden, and then experiencing many people in my life passing very slowly and going through these different types of traumas. So we're not trying to rank traumas. We're not trying to judge them here. But we are going to take a perspective from both the so-called receiver and the so-called giver. And to shine some light upon that there's no justifying actions here. That's not what we're talking about. We're just giving a different view. And many times the people that play these roles, they don't even know that they're playing them because they may have been born in a different generation uh, These types of things are not to excuse the actions, but it is worth from a healing perspective to understand it on that mental level of, oh, this is what's actually going on. Like, you know, hurt people hurt people. And that doesn't justify it. It just hopefully brings in some compassion that, you know, normally that person learned that action from somebody that did it to them. And part of surviving trauma is learning to break that ripple and not to, to continue the the negative action that creates this pain. And I happen to feel that a big step in that is forgiveness. And part of the forgiveness is seeing people as playing roles so that we can hold a, a so-called higher vibration or a stronger vibration. Uh, some call it turn the other cheek. So that's a very good place to start. And we're going to talk about roles in many different facets um, on both sides of the fence. So to make all of this information uh, digestible in the most efficient way, I think we should bring in an example so this way uh, we can follow it through and people can, can see the different sides of it as we uh, discuss all of this. Right. So let's take a, a parent-child relationship where mm-hmm. the child is doing something that is annoying the parent and maybe they've told them several times to knock it off, but they're still doing it. So the parent is very maybe frustrated in other areas of their life and they can't handle the child. And so they do something to discipline that child, whether it's um, yelling and saying things that maybe they don't mean. And so it comes off or it can come off as um, abrasive or abusive or emo- yeah, emotional traumatic to that child or possibly they take it to uh, the physical and maybe spank spanking the child. So I, I like that we're going to bring in two different perspectives, the emotional and physical 
they could be handled uh, the, in the same way. And uh, I want to bring in passive aggressive there as well when parents okay, show major yeah. disappointment yeah. and withdrawal. You know, once again, that can be traumatic for certain for certain people. And and when we say that a, a phrase like that, it may be traumatic for certain people. It's we're we're coming from a point of view of a person's energetic design that we help you understand through the human design system, and. Everybody isn't created equally, and many times when you ask siblings to describe their parents, uh, even siblings that were raised at the exact same time many times will have very, very different views of both of their parents. And this partly comes from the way that we process information coming in. So this is why we're going to be very careful not to point any blame but not to uh, condone actions either. This isn't about what is actually happening and whether it's right or wrong, but it's how to process it and how to heal from it. In this situation, say that, yes, uh, a child is irritating the parent and the parent decides to, after many times of maybe verbally trying to correct them, to uh, give them a little spank or to say something negatively to get their attention. Well, This is all about the energy that's behind it. And if we go back to one of the general teachings in this philosophy is if it's hard for you to do or challenging for you to do, it's probably good for you. That it is possible potentially for a spanking to be useful if the parent or the person giving the spanking is the last thing that they want to do. It's really hard for them to do it. And so when they're doing it, it is literally harder for them and hurting them more than it's hurting the child. That person is going to be paying attention to pressure, force, many, many different things. Because it's not about the pain. It's about showing the the authority, showing the direction, showing parameters. And that's what many people get all up in the air about any type of physical discipline. And it's very similar that if you verbally say something and you say something like, uh, you look like a pig or you say, do you want to look like a pig when we go out? It's going to be received two different ways because the first way was very, very aggressive. The other one is just bringing your attention to something. I'm not saying that that is still the best way or the optimal way to uh, to say it, but the the example was for you to One, feel the difference and know that it's the energy that's behind it. So when misunderstandings like this go down, and sometimes it happens with teenagers or uh, maybe early 20s when the child is still under a certain amount of um, at least being looked over by the parent, and they can start to resist and the authority and, you know, want to move out. Maybe the situation is something like like that, like a, a teenager that is tired of experiencing the parent uh, the way that they are, and they decide to leave home. Expand from the, the scenario from there. What would you well, add? I wanted to uh, ask you, would one be the intention behind it versus the reaction yes. of it? Yes, Costi. See, discipline is useful when it is a clear intention of conveying a message. 
But when it's an emotional reaction, there's no message except authority that's being shown. And almost every human gets has a, a threshold of authority that they're willing to deal with or that they can uh, consciously or healthy in a healthy way process. So this is what makes some people more empathic, but it's important whether they're empathic through their emotions or through their mind or through their heart center because there's different levels of being empathic. And when you know what level you're empathic at, you have a better chance of working with healing that or working with a defense against that. So the other thing that we want to bring in is the person that is getting so-called judged as being the the activator of the trauma or the creator, so to say. And in this scenarios, we're talking about the parent. And it does need to be taken into account that the parents were brought up in a different era under different rules. And this, once again, isn't to justify. It's just to bring an understanding in. And many parents, when they are so-called disciplining their child, the thought in most parents' heads is that they are so much easier on their children than their parents were on them. And so, see, most parents already feel that they are doing way better than their parents, but they're still been trained that way, and that lineage of that energy comes through. And so when a person is looking to heal from from some of these traumas, the way that they were treated, you know, I like to suggest to see them as role players, that they were there to teach you what not to do to people. And in that situation, this teenager that decides to maybe run away from home and start a life of her own, then when she has kids, she has an opportunity to communicate with them in a different way if she chooses. But if she just follows her emotional reactions, she will more than likely follow the pattern of either her mother or her father or that parent that she has the most resistance to. Because normally what we resist is there to teach us something. And one of the main teachings is acceptance in this plane, that I don't know that deep levels of healing uh, can really begin before you get to that true acceptance and forgiveness. And I've seen every type of spirituality or religion talk about these, these two things very closely, the acceptance and forgiveness. I'm not suggesting that you accept what was done to you was okay. What I'm suggesting to you is to carry some compassion See that perpetrator for where they were at and then release them or release anybody else from needing to play that role because that may have been the the activation for this teenager to become very strong in their willpower to stand up for themselves. And so she or if she or he, they may be out there in the world and be very strong and seen and looked up to by their friends and different people like that and they learn to do that by standing up to what they didn't like. And if their parent didn't play that role, then they may or may not have gotten that lesson. So the key is, what can I learn from the trauma? You know, my biggest trauma was losing my companion of 11 years and watching her deteriorate to cancer. And that took me a seven-year cycle to truly work through. And what helped me with that type of loss was focusing on what I had rather than what I lost. And it's similar to when you've been treated poorly, that 
you see them as this wounded person and you're able to give them compassion. And now you're an adult and they no longer affect you in that way. And you get past the victimization or the need to retaliate, so to say. And you get into forgiveness. As the wonderful Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And many times when this child finally tells the parent what their experience was, it can be devastating for the parent. The parent can have no idea that they had that kind of effect on their child, especially if they left early. And this can be very challenging because, say, 20 years pass, and then the child wants to get that off her chest, and she does, but it could be just completely overwhelming and devastating for the receiver, the parent, that had no idea that that was going on, would have now done anything to to change something. But see, the, the so-called parent in that situation that created the so-called trauma, they can't do anything about it now. But the person that received the trauma can. You can forgive. You can see that you're still not that person. I suggest to people that's gone through traumas to count how many seven-year cycles that you've been through because every seven years, every cell in the body completely regenerates. So you're a completely different person every seven years. So if it's been over seven years that you've gone through this, truly look at that deeply and use that as a tool. It helped me to release my pain that now it's been 12 years since that happened and I'm you know, a whole life cycle and a half almost through it. And that's been a wild journey. And so I'm experiencing it directly. I'm not just giving this as a, a proposition. Because those of us that are dealing with trauma, the way to get rid of the sense of sensitivities to it, the way to help with the triggers is from my perspective, the way it fits into this philosophy is through what we call the pillars, and it's the fourth pillar, which is emotional accountability and responsibility. To realize that when something happened to us in our past, things in our present are going to happen to remind us of that until potentially we do forgive and we do release and we learn our lesson. And then there's no energy there being created for anything to grow. So if you can take it from an understanding that that energy needs friction to grow, and when you take the friction of resistance away, it stops needing to come back around. So I want people to really understand that. When you have something in your life that is creating resistance, and I used my two sons when I was raising them, uh, Ian and Ryan, for this, that if they started irritating me with, say, running through the house or something, I could yell at them, I could physically stop them, I could do many different things. But what I would choose to do is go and sit in a still spot and watch them doing that. And the exercise that I would do is I would go, Alexander, why does this bother you so bad? Is it truly that you're looking out for their safety? Or is it just irritating because you don't have the authority here? And I would talk to myself in this way until I could get out of frustration and back into a love vibration. And one of the things that I use is death in that. And I went, Alexander, what about if tomorrow there were no, (laughs) 
What about if tomorrow there were no little feet running through the house? Would it be a big deal then? The answer was always no, people. And then I would get back to appreciation. And then all I would have to say is, hey, guys. And they would stop right away. I wouldn't have to say anything else. And they would redirect their own energy. Because I saw them as teachers. They were there to teach me to not be frustrated with silly stuff in life. And that I proved that if I wouldn't get frustrated, then they wouldn't do as many things that I perceived as frustrating. So this is the power of of energy. And it's the power of how we can use loss, how we can use even past traumas to help us heal other traumas. Because whatever you need to get back to that gratitude is the key. It's the key to get to that forgiveness. It's the key to let go of carrying that weight, of being the victim, of of passing the blame and saying, thank you, great teacher, for teaching me what doesn't work. Because, see, if we hadn't had that done to us, it's a high likelihood that we may play that role of being the one that's creating the traumas. So this is just a suggestion of how we can forgive and move through and see this all as energy rather than taking it so personal. And when we can see that people are just playing roles and take the personal out of it and work to not let it bother you the way that it has, the way that it has controlled you throughout your life. And so it's just practice like anything else. And I don't make many promises, but I do promise that to most anyone that anything you practice at least a hundred times, you will get better at it. We are repetitious beings, and we learn through the act of doing. So practice it. Don't be scared out there and to change your perceptions, to look at these potential people that did us harm, to look at them in a different light so that we can heal. This isn't to condone uh, poor execution or of communication and once again communication from this perspective is 75 percent energy and 25 percent words or actions it's the energy that's behind it as to how it's received the majority of the time or it's the the action is creating a trigger in that person and this gets back to that emotional accountability and responsibility the the pillar number four and I happen to feel that any emotion that I feel within myself is my responsibility in how I express it, how I respond to it, and how I heal it. And I choose to just give the scenario of look at emotions like children, and you're just working with them to to train them to react a different way, like a child that's throwing a temper tantrum. So once again, the three R's come in here to recognize the energy, the person, the situation, to give respect to the energy, the person, the situation, and then to redirect the energy. So all of you out there, I love you so much that's going through traumas, and I respect you, and I respect the work that you're doing, and dig deep into that and release these role players for the roles that they have played. It's not condoning. It's for your own healing. And thank them for teaching you what not to do. And now go out there and create a different ripple. You've stopped your family lineage ripple. Be proud of yourself. 
pat yourself on the back, but don't judge anyone else because, see, we need the teachers that teach us what not to do just like we need the teachers that teach us what to do. And when we can stay out of judgment, we can learn from both of those. Well, now that you've taken everything that's been on my list to talk about, <laughs> um, we'll, have to, we'll have to go back um, a little bit. And so you talked about uh, the process of, of acceptance, uh, especially from the receiver in the situation of this, this trauma that we discussed. And I wanted to uh, talk about one step in getting to acceptance is to see both perspectives. There's always two sides in a situation. And so let's talk about what would be the perspective of each person in this example that we gave. Right. And, and I want to even add another perspective that some people playfully throw out there that there's, there's both parties perspective and then there's a truth. And, you know, what we want to dance around truth is anything that can be seen in a non-emotional reaction. And so many times somebody outside can give a more realistic view of what happened to a situation that's not emotionally tied to it at all. You know, in this uh, particular situation, you know, with the parent and with the child, it's the healing for the child to let go of that uh, so-called blame that maybe they have or haven't shared with that parent that that's going to be the start of their healing. And then for the, the parent that has maybe just got something dropped on them or even the parent that's aware of it, that wants to, to heal it, uh, a very important role for you to play is to be willing to give and give and give without being received for a long time. Consider even a seven-year span because that's a whole life cycle. So I tell people that's working to try to to receive forgiveness, that they want that connection with their child again, to be willing to um, to reach out and ask, hey, would you like to talk about this? Would you like to just spend time together and not talk about this? To give the child an opportunity to direct and regulate the connection and that to be okay to the parent. And to realize that that may be very sporadic in the beginning, but you continue to work towards that and just every now and then check in and show interest. Be willing to take rejection because normally when people are angry, they start through that. They, they give you rejection to see if you'll persevere through the rejection. And then the whole, the main part of that is that you don't, you're not carrying strong intentions. You're not trying to get back everything that you once had right away. You accept that it takes time. And that's why I bring up that seven-year cycle many, many times. It takes longer to mend than it did to devastate. It takes much longer to build a beautiful piece of architecture than it does to demolish it. And relationships are the same way. We can demolish a relationship that's been extremely beneficial in just a matter of moments. And some people never look back. So in those situations, the person, once they have accepted, maybe I did do stuff or I, I definitely agree that I did stuff that I now see wasn't uh, kind or wasn't useful. You know, you can't change the past, but you can change how you're moving forward. And that's where I'm saying you people out there that's trying to get that forgiveness, be willing to go through the rejection. 
because many times they're subconsciously just seeing if you will prove that you care enough to keep coming back. Maybe let them call you names. If you called them names, and let them call you names and accept it to put yourself in their shoes to have the experience. And they may need to do that. They may need to do to you what they felt like you did to them and be willing to persevere through that and just stay in your loving vibration. Show them that you're willing to to show up no matter how it's received, but you will never push. That's the key, that you're not pushing. And the person that is, you know, healing from the trauma, you look to see that role that they played. You look to learn the lesson of hopefully what not to do. You be honest with yourself in your life of whether you're pulling that off or not. Because many times people will stay away from that, that, that child may stay away from the teen, from the parent because they don't want to be reminded of what they do in their life. So the, the biggest situation for the person that's healing from the trauma, make sure that you're not continuing the ripple and you just don't want to be for it to be put in your face to see it because that's avoiding healing. So I hope we have covered, you know, in a very respectful way that uh, we do not condone any type of trauma, but trauma is a very uh, elusive thing to describe. If we feel like it is our responsibility to utilize these pillars as the emotional accountability and responsibility the number four pillar, and then the number two pillar where everybody can be your teacher and every situation has something to learn from it if you want to. But you've got to have that interest. And so if you want things to change in your life the way that they are happening, then initiate some change in the way that you're working with the energy and the perception of it and see if it doesn't shift. But if you do the same actions, you're going to get you know uh, similar results. And so I send all so much compassion out there to people that are healing, no matter what kind of healing you're healing from, maybe things that you regret doing, and maybe those of you that are having to heal, heal from things that were forced upon you. And it's extremely sad that we have to experience that. But I think it's important to know that most people out there have are going through and have gone through traumas. And I think we need to continue to embrace one another because people feel so isolated. And I've been in this business now with working with people for over 12 years. And every person I work with, they tend to feel isolated, almost every one of them. And I'll have three or four clients in the same day that will say the same thing. And so that's why I create the sound journeys and different uh, talks. We're going to bring uh, we're kind of throwing this out there that we're going to get together a live and a Zoom meetup group uh, biweekly. And so we're going to build the community and where we can lean on each other. And uh, that's been the intention of this podcast and our Facebook uh, podcast group. Um, so, But I did want to make sure, Aaron, that I answered the question that you that you gave me. Well, I actually wanted to touch upon the example and then look at what each person was actually experiencing versus what the the perception was of the other person. So okay. in the situation of the giver, uh, the parent was maybe trying to do something else and they were annoyed and they were going through some other stuff in their life. At that work or something. Yeah, like that. that has uh, made their like maybe uh, 
their sensitivity to anything um, loud or or repetitive I, that they didn't want uh, very frustrating and and so and then the the child was maybe just had energy they had to exert and then maybe they were stuck in the house and it was a rainy day and sure. they just had this energy that they had to release. Yes. And and that happens many, many times that the, you know, of course, rarely is the child and the parent on the same energy wavelength, so to say. And this is an issue with bringing a work home and not being able to, to clear and get centered before engaging with our family. Yeah. Most parents, they're just trying to survive and they're not meaning to put trauma on their kids, uh, but at the same time, you do have to step back at some point and say, hey, how am I reacting here? And it's important to take responsibility on both sides. And I happen to you know, follow that the American lifestyle of working 40 or more hours a week and raising children is very questionable from my perspective of how well that can really be done. And it depends on the type of work and many different variables, but we're just a culture that works a lot. And then we don't make proper time, whatever that means uh, for our children and our families. And we don't have the same ancestral lineage. Uh, We don't pull on the, utilize the grandparents and the family unit. So the family unit seems to be very scattered and going in that direction. And I'm hoping that, once again, this information in the podcast and the Just Philosophy, uh, you know, will help build some of these tribes and some of these families again because it aids in the communication. So it is uh, a challenging situation for all people involved, especially when both parties want to mend. And many times it's hard for them to mend together because they both need two different things. Sometimes the the like I said, the child in this situation needs to get some anger out. They, there's a whole process of emotions to go through, and it's very challenging for the father that wants the forgiveness or the parent that wants the forgiveness to handle that rejection because they're now they've got a trauma from rejection uh, hypothetically. And so this is a very important topic and to see that, yeah, the, the cycles of trauma can just kind of go in a spiral. And as one person starts to feel a little bit better, they can, you can see it energetically just kind of being passed to someone else. And there, there's another way and it is through processing and resolving and uh, being willing to see these roles and being willing to change our perspective. And I think it's important you brought up a little bit earlier when we were off air, it's very challenging to trust our memories as well because understand that if a trauma happened when you were 12 years old, you could only understand it to the level that you had grown at that, at that time. And most people don't change the story of their trauma. And that's what we're suggesting here is not to question whether it happened or didn't or judge it or any of that, but to analyze it a little bit and say, now that I'm 50 years old or 40 years old or 30 or whatever, uh, let me look at that trauma at 12 years old from a, a different perspective, especially if you have kids. And that helps to bring in a whole other um, range of, of information and be willing to change that limited perspective because it is limited. And our, that's why I suggest, you know, us not to trust our memories too much, to allow that to 
kind of change or just dissipate because you can, especially if you're holding on to a negative memory, but you're more than likely not holding on to it clearly. Yes. And that's exactly where I was going to go with asking you to, you know, to look at both of those perspectives in the moment. And then uh, I was going to bring it into like now, if you're looking at it from 20 years ago, we can't see things clearly. And uh, I also wanted to bring, I think it was Einstein who said that you can't solve a problem at the same level it was created. So we're kind of like on the, on that same wavelength. Yes. Yes. And many times that's what emotions do is they just pass the energy back and forth at the same so-called wavelength. Uh, one person comes with anger and they get the other person angry and now they're just having a tennis match with anger. And it takes a different vibration to either stop the ripple or change the the vibrational pattern or however you want to look at it to change the consciousness. And many times that means taking a blow and then being willing not to hit back. That is the perspective that I took to approach my trauma personally and looked at it as a a competition internally, like my trauma happened to be around frustration. And so I went through over five years every day of my life of excruciating chest pain. And then it took me two years to understand what to do about it. And it was just real simple, people. It was just stop being frustrated. But try to do that after carrying frustration through your whole life for, you know, over 40 years. And so it was it was quite a process. And so but I had to change my energetic vibration completely to get out of the vibration of that trauma. And so that meant that I was willing to change my preferences in almost every area of my life, but especially about what I held on to or tried to control um, because that's where frustration comes is through control. So now I work very hard not to uh, even attempt to control very much because I don't like that feeling in my chest. And so my great teacher Sam taught me that that pain can be our greatest teacher when we don't run from it. Um, And our culture through the pharmaceutical industry has created many ways for us to run away from pain, but it is our teacher. It's our great teacher. So lots of compassion to all of you people out there that are, are going through challenges And sometimes I know that forgiveness is hard to get to. It can come in time, especially if your trauma is recent. So take all of these suggestions with a beautiful grain of salt and uh, continue to to work hard out there. So we've discussed both sides of a trauma and more of a relating uh, everyday language since we're all humans and this is what we all need to um, hear to understand. But let's get it back to the energetic at the top of the episode, I mentioned that energy is neutral. So if we look at the situation neutrally, as if there's no good or bad or, you know, anything like that, we're not judging who did what, and we're just going and looking at the energy that exists within the two people. Can you break down a trauma and then a kind of, um, I, I would say we kind of overlaid these relating terms on top of how the energy actually works, but maybe you can explain a little bit on what what we're actually trying to do, we're trying to release the energy and not keep it bound up within one person or another, right? Right, right. So the term that you use that energy is neutral, uh, what I'll add to that or expand on that definition is all energy has a positive and negative aspect. And that doesn't mean that they're good or bad, but they're both necessary. And that gets into our third pillar of polarity versus duality, that this is the plane of polarity. 
And wherever there is a, a, a negative charge, then there has to be an equal so-called positive charge uh, somewhere nearby for anything to grow, especially energy. So, and everything is energy and vibration. So when you have a victim, there always has to be a perpetrator. Uh, if you have someone that is a, uh, a killer, then there has to be someone that is killed. So anytime that we are looking at something from a victim mentality, which means, why did this have to happen to me? It's everybody's fault but mine. I, I didn't have a chance from the time that I was a kid. You know, whatever the, the defense language is, see, as long as you have that, that negative charge, so to say, there has to be that opposite positive charge that is the so-called perpetrator. That will constantly be created throughout your life until you get to a point to where you're no longer looking at yourself like a victim. Hopefully that is where, you know, this work and this podcast really helps to, to get an understanding of what's happening. And that's what helped me and many, many others I've worked with to step out of that victim role. And that let's stop casting blame because when you can be as grateful for somebody teaching you something that doesn't work as you can be grateful for them teaching you something that does work, then see, it stops anybody doing anything so-called wrong to you because you're just a constant student. And rather than being affected and being offended, you can say, oh, internally, thank you for reminding me how that action does not uh, serve love or serve communication or or whatever it is that you observe. So in that situation, when I'm talking about playing roles, see, many times people will be playing roles and they are not even aware of it. Like possibly, hypothetically, in this situation, the father may be like just disciplining the the child or the parent may be disciplining the child uh, just the way that they feel is normal that they use maybe a phrase or call them a name that there's three kids here and they do that with all three kids and it doesn't bother two of them, but it really, really scarred one of them. And that gets back to their specific design. So it's the need for both roles. In that situation, even when I work with young people, it's very similar working with them and teachers or parents. I say, you know, if you don't feed the frustration, if you don't feed the charge, then you won't get the so-called judgment. You won't get that um, that action that you don't like. And so a big part of this is is taking that responsibility to see that I don't get into that we manifest everything in our life, but we are part of creating our experience. And part of that creation is what we resist persists. So whatever we don't want to experience Many times we will pull that in so that we can heal that aspect and then move on to something else. So in those two situations, that that uh, parent and that child have different healings to do. Both needed to play those roles for both of them to learn the lesson that they're here to learn. And for the for the parent, it may be that they learn a lesson that they get to experience through their grandchildren and they get to change the way that they correct the children through their grandchildren. And see, it can be a win-win. And when the child sees that, then they may work with forgiveness easier. 
because they may become defensive, like you're not going to do this to my child, blah, 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 blah. So they can feel very aggressive. But once again, if the parent can take that ownership and just take that, that like little jab of the child being protective of their kid or the parent's grandkid now, uh, you know, to be able to take that blow and not get offended and go, no, no, I want to handle them completely different than I did you and your siblings. So there's a lot to learn on both sides, and it is connected to, you know, our perception has a big pull on our emotions and how we experience things emotionally, which pull on our energetic field, which wind up pulling on our physical body. So it's all connected in how we, that's why forgiveness is so, so important that it's not worth holding on to blame and being the victim uh, and I know that it can be challenging. I mean, I myself even went through sexual abuse when I was growing up around five or six years old. And I share that to let people know that, you know, I have experienced many different levels of, of trauma. And that's what helped me to develop this information through the grace of the divine because nobody seemed to have the answers. So I'm not saying this is a fix-all, but it is a complete system that helps you to understand yourself, your makeup, how you were designed to operate in this world, How you then that helps you to understand how you've been trained and how you don't fit in and where you've created resistance in your life. And then understanding your design helps you to know how to let go of that resistance. And many times it is blame or it's, it's a need to get that person back or something like that. So revenge is a big waste of energy as well. So once again, I hope this uh, podcast is is especially going to be useful to any of you people suffering on either side of this uh, trauma issue. And let, let's say the the two people who are um, have a shared trauma are trying to mend it, and one person uh, kind of no longer wants to continue trying to do that anymore. How important is it for that other person to continue their own? you know, personal work around that, even though that other person is no longer physically wanting to. Continue. Yes, there's there's two different levels of work. There's the individual work and then there's the partnership or the couple work or the relationship work. And they are two separate things. So, you know, if one person wants to stop or pause or pull away, you know, for the person that wants to pursue it, once again, just checking in periodically to let that person know that you're there. But that could be like, once every three weeks or something like that, because you don't want to create any kind of pattern and you don't want to create any kind of pressure um, because the, the all you're looking to do is let them know that you're still there and you're still interested, but they carry the power. And the one that has been through the trauma should carry the power so that they feel safe. You know, as we continue to make those adjustments, uh, many times if the person that that wanted to continue the healing in the relationship, if they continued to do their personal work, then that person that left the union uh, many times will come back around. So that's what people need to see is that people heal on different time frames and different timelines, completely different. And some people need to take a break while the other person continues to do their internal work. And then they come back together down the road but if one person wants to take a break and then the other person just stops doing the work and doesn't develop anything, see, they're not likely to come together back together because what's going to happen more than likely is that person that left the situation is going to recreate the role to play again with another person. 
and have to go through all this again. So wherever your relationships are, you know, most of you are exactly where you're supposed to be and you're working with the people that you need to be working with. And we really don't need to travel to find ways to um, do self-growth. It's around us and people, especially our families, are some of the, the most useful ways for us to do our internal growth. And in closing, I was trying to think of a way of where people could utilize this information. And I was thinking maybe everybody uh, scan through as many relationships uh, throughout your life as you can and see where you may still be needing to uh, forgive, maybe where you're holding on to uh, anything, but maybe you can add or or have your own way of uh, people utilizing this information. Yes, and same with asking for forgiveness. You know, when you realize that maybe you treated someone uh, less than optimal the way that you see it now. You know, I'm not a big fan personally of the phrase, I'm sorry. But I am a fan anytime somebody wants to let me know that they see their their mistake or something that they would like to change, and they let me know that they're initiating change from that point on. Uh, that, to me, is so much better than an I'm sorry. So rather than going and just giving an apology, take ownership and say, no, I see where my shortcomings were in the past and this is what I am doing and have done to change uh, that energy to change that action you know if I could change the past I certainly would but I hope that you'll be open to us moving forward and developing something brand new so it's not about getting something back that you lost and meeting people mess up with that it's important that you begin something new and that new can be better than it ever was but it's not likely to be the same. It's just not likely to be the same. Yeah, it's almost like you're you're giving value and purpose to whatever that person's sorry about, and it yeah. and gives it value, I guess. Yes, and I haven't seen, like in all of my years, I've never really seen somebody receive an uh, I'm sorry, and that really means something. Um, you know, I'm not saying that it never happens. I just haven't really experienced it. And maybe if it's somebody that, you know, never, never apologized for anything and they come up and were able to say that, maybe that could really mean something deep. But uh, like I said, I'm more interested in the change of action or the change that has been created, what has been learned out of this, and that if I've just played a role for a lesson to be learned and that lesson is over, then I'm all good. Uh, I just don't want to be held responsible to continue to play that role. And the lesson not being getting learned, that's the obstacle. Yeah. So then that comes down when you see yourself playing in stepping into that, and maybe you're continuing, the person, the other person isn't growing, and you continue to show up and they give you the same actions or reactions, then that's when you need to regulate your time around them. And that comes back to that emotional accountability and responsibility. You don't have to com- cut people completely out. I have certain people that... I always typically set time frames when I'm meeting with them to say that I have like 15 minutes available or 20 minutes so that I set that precedent or that boundary in the beginning. And I can always expand that. I have the right to do that. But some people are challenging to be around their energy and their perspectives And so rather than making it abrupt or making it an issue, I find that if you say it ahead of time, and then if they say, oh, I thought you need to leave in like 15 minutes, uh, then you can say, well, no, I'm enjoying this conversation so much, I'll I'll put something off to 
to do this and see it's a it's a win-win so this isn't about control but it is about like setting boundaries and setting boundaries in a way that benefit conscious communication and that's what's breaking down in the majority of these traumas is you know there's there's not always and we haven't touched on any of these but there's not always two people involved in the trauma sometimes it's people coming back from war it's uh, it's a car crash or it's many things like that so the lessons can run very deep in, in many different ways so just be that investigator and willing to see what the lesson is and to change your perception and your actions and see if your external experience doesn't shift. Well, that was a great episode. Alexander's out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the three minutes of stillness. I hope you all enjoy. Thank you.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment and sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.